Morning, church. I would um, ask you to turn to your Bibles to the book of Titus, if you have your Bibles with you. Um, as as uh, Keith said just now, we're busy with a four-week sermon series of, uh, of leading up to Christmas. And last week, as you know, we, we looked at, uh, or, or Keith looked at Christmas peace. Um, and the message there really was Christ was the center of the peace with God, the peace of God, and the peace with others. Today, in the second session, or the second part of the series, we're looking at Christmas hope. Uh, Christmas hope. Uh, next week, we'll, Lord willing, Dennis will be speaking about Christmas joy. And then on, on uh, Christmas Day, Keith will be bringing us a Christmas, lo- uh, uh, Christmas love. So we've got peace, we've got hope, joy, and love is the series. I, uh, I, I used to fly a lot before COVID hit, and I used to travel a lot. And I remember going, especially in, in some areas where there's a lot of mountainous areas, and there's, um, you have uh, clouds everywhere. And you, the, the pilot says, well, it's about, we're about to, to land. And you look out the window, and you, all you see is just cloud. Have you ever been in a plane like that before, in a, in a flight? And you thought, how does that guy know we're going to land? Like, and you know there's mountains, and you know there's some dangerous things around, and you know that the place we're landing isn't quite flat, and so you're stressing. But the pilot very calmly, please take your seats, you know, and goes down and lands. And just before about to get to the, you know, the runway, the clouds open, and there's a runway, exactly as he predicted, and the plane lands. And I always wonder, you know, how does it happen? And clearly the reason why they know is that if you ask any pilot, they'll tell you that their trust is in the, what's in front of them, in, their, in what they can see in their dials on their aeroplane. They put their hope in the, in the, the dials in front of them. They trust what the, the, the equipment is telling them. And so the equipment says they're, they're through the mountains, even though they might not think so. All they see is cloud. And exactly as predicted, as the clouds open, there's the runway, and then they land. This is very similar to our walk with God. Sometimes we may not feel like it. Sometimes we have emotions or emotions that we cannot trust. Do you feel like that sometimes? Where you go through a week and you go, wow, I wonder if I'm even saved. Like the week I had and the way I'm, I'm acting and the way that I'm you know, going through this life and, and handling this week, is not someone that I would expect a Christian to have done. And so sometimes we look at our emotions and we start to have doubts. We think, well, is this really correct? Am I, do I really have salvation? So I'm sure you have the same things as well. But just like that pilot needs to trust in the, in the scriptures in front, in front of him or, the, or the, 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 the dials in front of him, we as Christians have this in front of us. We have the Word of God, and we have to trust in what the Word of God tells us about our salvation. And if you are here this morning and you're not sure of your salvation, or you've never come to your salvation, or it's something that you're thinking of um, going into, and you're thinking about Christ, and maybe you haven't made that commitment yet, well, this morning's for you. So let's read Titus, and, and we'll pray shortly. Let's read Titus chapter 1. The first three verses we're going to look at. first three verses says, Paul Servant of God and an apostle of Jesus Christ, for the sake of the faith of God's elect and their knowledge of the truth, which accords with godliness, in hope of eternal life, which God, 
who never lies, promised before the ages began, and at the proper time manifested in his word through the preaching with which I have entrusted by the command of God our Saviour. Paul writes to Titus, and this is his opening passage. Before we get into the text, uh, let's just pray. Pray with me, won't you? Lord God, we, um, we do trust in your word. Lord, we know your word is true. And this morning, as we get into your text and we get into your word, Lord, I pray that our hearts would open up and we would understand the truth. And the truth would come. And for those who haven't made that commitment yet, Lord, that the, this hope of eternal life we become real this morning. So I pray your blessing on today in Jesus' name. Amen. Just a bit of context. We'll, um, we'll get into the text, but it's important to look at this context. In context, context, the first, um, the first few verses talk about three very important doctrines. The first doctrine is the doctrine of election. You may have heard this before. And the doctrine of election is basically the fact that God, before the foundation of the earth, chooses those who, whom he will save. I know there's many people who don't like that. For many years, I hated that doctrine. I thought it was very unfair. But then someone explained it to me. And basically, the doctrine is this. We all deserve hell. If we, were, we, we, we receive exactly what we deserve, everyone in, in all humankind will deserve hell, including yourself and myself to, this morning. We all deserve hell. However, God in his mercy... And in his grace, he chooses those who, whom he will draw to himself and who will come to him. That's the doctrine of election. In the first verse, it says there that um, God's elect. And then later in, in verse 2, it says, before the ages began. Doctrine of election. I'll come to why that's important. Secondly, in verse 1, Paul also briefly touches on the doctrine of sanctification. Now, those are big words, but sanctification basically means it's the process by which you and I become more Christ-like. We are justified by Christ's work on the cross when we become Christians, but we may not live like it. And so it's the process of us becoming Christ-like is the doctrine of sanctification. It says there in verse 1, at the end of verse 1, and then knowledge of truth, which accords with godliness. By us studying scripture and by us becoming more godly, we are sanctified. And that's the doctrine that he touches on. There's a third doctrine, and it's the doctrine of the perseverance of saints. And this doctrine basically teaches that once you're saved, you're always saved. Once God holds you, he doesn't let go. Once, once you have understood and put your faith in Christ, you persevere to the end. God holds you, and his grace covers you all the way. It's a doctrine of perseverance. Why that's important is that when we're talking about hope and coming up to Christmas, the hope of, of eternal life, the hope of Jesus Christ coming into our lives, that hope covers all of that. It covers the election, covers sanctification, and covers perseverance all in one. And so this morning, we're going to look at three foundations of our hope, and I'm going to take you through this. First of all, the first foundation is that our hope is set on is the promise of God. The promise of God. Secondly, the foundation we look, we're going to look at is the person of God. Our hope is based on the person of God. And thirdly, the proclamation of God. Let's look at the promise of God. 
In, uh, in Titus, in chapter 2, it says, In hope of eternal life, which God, who never lies, promised before the ages began. Yeah, we're told there's a promise. For those of you and I, if you are today, and you have truly put your faith in Jesus Christ, you have a promise that's promised to you. And that promise, it says, was before the foundations of the world. Now, we talk about hope, right? We hope that the weather this afternoon will be good, don't we, for the carols? We hope. And I know we all have the same hope. We hope that, 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 that Melbourne will win the grand final next year, don't we? And we say that, hey, we say we hope. And that's, that's basically a fingers crossed, you know, we, we, we have this desire. But when you look at Scripture, it's very different hope. Hope is a certainty in Scripture. It's not something we hope about, not, some, not like the weather or the AFL. Have a look in Titus chapter 2 if you have it open. Have a look in verse 13 of chapter 2. In uh, chapter 2, verse 13, it says, Waiting for our blessed hope. Waiting for our blessed hope. Mark, I can't see. I'm on the right slide. Okay, thanks. Waiting for a blessed hope the appearing of the glory of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ. Paul calls it a blessed hope. Now, that's interesting. Why does he call it a blessed hope? You see, Paul almost talks about it as if it's happened already. It's a given. It's a blessed hope. It's a hope that's already blessed to us as Christians. So it's not something you should hope about and say, well, I hope that my, what I've done and the faith that I've put in Christ will one day come true to me. No, it's a blessed hope. It's already blessed on us. It's going to happen. So it's almost as if it's, it's, we haven't experienced it yet, but in God it's happened already. Another question I'd like to ask, though, is when does eternal life start? Have you asked yourself that question? When does it start? Does it start when you give your life to Christ and you come to faith in him? Does it start when... The Christ comes and fetches his saints to, to go up with him. We call that glorification. When does it start? I think you and I both agree it starts when you put your faith in Christ. And so for those of you that are today who have put your faith in Christ and trusted in, the, in the, his work on the cross to save us, eternal life has started already. You're already in that journey of eternal life. But we know we look around us, look at the world. We just look at this last year already. And know that the world doesn't seem like we're in eternal life right now, does it? There's the, the things weighing us down in life. There's the, uh, the, the, the calamities in the world. We're living one in one right now. Maybe in your life personally there's a calamity. And we ask ourselves, hang on, is this eternal life? Are we in it right now? But that's true. It happens when you give your life to Christ. So... We won't experience the perfection of that until Christ takes us to be with him one day or we die and we go to be with him. So while that's happening, well, we have got a bit of a navigation to do. We've got to go between our hope that we know is true and what we see. We look at the clouds around us. We look at the mountains around us in the plain and we're going, well, I'm not sure about this. But we have to trust in Scripture, friends. We have to trust in the Word of God. So it's another case why we, why we say, well, I say we cannot lose our salvation because we cannot get a temporary eternal life. 
God can't give us temporary eternal life and say, well, it's yours to hold and look at, but I'm going to take it back. But rather, once he gives it, it doesn't go away. Some texts that are important to look at, Philippians chapter 1, verse 6 says, For I am sure of this, he who began a work in you will bring it to completion at the day of Jesus Christ. So that's basically saying if God has started a work in you, he will complete it. John chapter 10, My sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me. Listen to this, verse 28. I give them eternal life, and they will never perish, and no one will snatch them out of my hand. My Father who has given them to me is greater than all, and no one is able to snatch them out of the Father's hand. I and the Father are one. Now that text is emphatic. In other words, it is basically saying, you will most certainly, without doubt, 100% never perish. You will, without doubt, 100% not be snatched out of the, the, the Father's hand. Friends, if you have faith in Christ this morning, Christ has you in his hand. And no one, even if they like to, no one can snatch you out of his hand. And that should be an encouragement. No matter what's happening around you, no matter what mountains and storms that you're living in, Christ has you in his hand. You should really ponder on that and meditate on that. Just one more text just to go through. Romans chapter 8. In the verse 1 it says, There is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. No condemnation. The job is done. You're paid for. In uh, chapter 28 of Romans 8, it says, For we know that those who love God, all things work together for good, for those who are called according to his purpose. For those whom he foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his Son, in whom order that he might be the firstborn among many brothers. And those whom he predestined, he also called, and those whom he called, he also justified, and those whom he justified, he also glorified. Now we read that and go, that's great, but take note of something. For he, those who he foreknew, he also predestined. Is that future, past, or present tense? It's past tense. He predestined, past tense. Look at the next one. For those he predestined, he also called, also past tense. For those he called, he also justified. Past tense. Now listen to this. Those he justified, he also glorified. Past tense. Glorification hasn't happened yet, friends. We're going to get that one day when we go to be with the Lord. Then we will be glorified. But here Paul says it's in past tense. It's happened already. Your salvation is secure in Christ if you have faith in him today. And Paul knew that, and he shared that with us. The next thing, the next P, is... Let's get to the next slide. Sorry, I went behind there. Not only is our hope as a foundation in the promise of God, because God promises to us, and we won't be snatched out of our hands, but in the person of God. This is the center of our hope. In Titus uh, chapter 2, in verse 11, we read that in verse 13, but let's just go back two verses in verse 11. It says, For the grace of God has appeared, bringing salvation for all people, training us to renounce ungodliness and worldly passions and to live self-controlled, 
upright, and godly lives in the present age, waiting for our blessed hope, the appearing of the glory of our great God and Saviour, Jesus Christ. Friends, our hope is in the glory of our Saviour, Jesus Christ. That is where our hope is found. That's where our hope is built on. We may, you may have studied the life of Paul. You may know that Paul was a, a guy who is well-renowned in the Jewish circles. His knowledge of the scriptures was amazing. He was in the right tribe. He grew up with the right family. He just was, his credentials are amazing. And we know what he says later on, doesn't he? He says that all those things that he's, he's gained are what? Are rubbish in surpassing, are rubbish in compared to knowing Christ. Doesn't he say that? They're all rubbish. All his achievements are rubbish. Only know that, that, that what the only thing that matters is that he knows Christ. Do you think he put his hope on his achievements? Do you think he put his hope on what he knew, his knowledge? Do you think he put hope on his church and his friends? No, he knew that he had to put his hope in one person, and that's Jesus Christ, the person of God. Many times we, um, we look around and we, we consider our lives and we say, well, um, we have hope in our jobs maybe, or we have hope in, in our pastor, or we have hope in our elders, or we have hope in our friends or our government. But those will all fail you. Our hope is in the person of God, Jesus Christ. Next, we have the proclamation of God. So not only is our foundation of our hope in the promise of God or in the person of God, but also in the proclamation of God. In verse 3 of Titus 1, it says, and it says, And at the proper time manifested in his word through the preaching at which I have been entrusted by the command of our God and Saviour. We are told here that God's word is manifested manifested this promise. In other words, we see all this promise in our scriptures this morning. If you have a Bible on your lap, this is where the promise is. This is where we read about it. But now there's something we have to do as Christians. We have to proclaim that to other people. This afternoon at the carols, are we not going to do that? We're going to proclaim. As we sing the carols, we can hope that people come from the, in, from the community around and we're going to proclaim the good news of Jesus Christ. See, your life needs to proclaim that. When last have you shared the gospel? When last have you, have you sat down with your colleague or someone in the bus or a friend or your neighbor, you, knowing that they're not, not saved? Have you shared the gospel with them? Or have you thought, oh, you know, it's really not my job to do so. Someone else will do it. Friends, we have to proclaim the gospel. We have to tell people of the good news. But there's a fourth one. Not only is there a promise of God, a person of God, and a proclamation of God, but there's a problem of humanity. The problem of humanity. You see, there's a problem here because those three things don't work out so well. We don't always have the hope. We don't always have the surety. And it's based on two things. I'd like to share with you, first of all, there are two main reasons why I think people doubt their salvation. And maybe this is you too. Bad teaching. There are many Christians and many churches that teach you again and again that you can lose your salvation as easy as just 
losing your phone or losing some change out of your pocket. They say, well, you know, you can sin to a certain point that is just too much and then you lose your salvation. But understand, as I said before, that your salvation is secure in Christ. God will not let you be snatched out of his hand. Don't believe in the lies of the world that teach this. Bad teaching doesn't only come from Christians. Bad teaching also comes from those who are not saved. They will tell you that until you believe them, start to believe them, that this world is better or the, or the ways of the world. If you truly are a Christian, why has your God let you down? And then you start believing that God has let you down when God has never let us down. So bad teaching. The next thing is that I believe that chooses us to doubt our salvation is sin. Is sin. You and I both know what we should live like. We live a life, we're encouraged, we go home, we read the scriptures, we pray, and we feel encouraged, and we're going to live the life that God wants us to live. And then life happens. And we start to just, oh, I shouldn't do that, but okay, I shouldn't have done that, and I feel bad about it, and you, and you live that way. And then you do something, and then you say something you shouldn't do. And then you join with people you shouldn't be joining. And then so on goes on. There's a difference between sinning and being repentant of it and saying, Lord, I sinned once more. Won't you, won't you forgive me? Won't you help me through this? And go to God or go to other people and say, pray for me. There's a difference between that and someone who is sinning on a, on a regular basis, willingly, and, and enjoying it and planning for it. If that's you this morning, then I would also ask you to test your heart this morning to see if your salvation really is true. For we shouldn't uh, delight in sin. So those are some things that we look at our lives and then we think, well, maybe we are not saved. Maybe this hope isn't so secure when it really is. So this morning, the question I want to leave with you or, or ask you, how is your salvation? Do you have the hope of salvation? Are you without cert with, 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 with no certainty at all? Can you go home today and know that you are certainly saved? And I know there are many here that are. But there may be some here this morning that may be thinking, well, I'm not so sure of my salvation. I would really much love to chat with you. And I'm sure the elders and, and Keith would as well to chat with you and, and have a coffee and go work through the scriptures with you if that is you today. And if there's ladies here who prefer to speak to ladies, there's many ladies I can pass you on to who would also love to speak to you about it. But make it sure. Make it certain. There's only one life. And if God... He's tugging on your heart today. You need to come to Christ and have faith in him and, and understand that without his work on the cross, you cannot and you will not receive the hope of salvation. Just, to, just a little personal sharing with you is um, we have a friend who, um, who has brain cancer. And I heard that her husband is angry. Angry with the world, but angry with God. And he's basing his anger on the fact that she is a good believer. She's a good Christian. She's faithful. She works for a Christian organization. She loves the Lord. She, has a little, she just had a child a couple of years ago, a young child. And he's angry. And not that we told him, told him this or spoke to him at all, but I just got a sense of the fact that when you speak to her, she's, she's happy. She's, she's content. She knows that God is in control. 
And I wondered, why the difference? Perhaps he's put his hope in the fact that she is a godly person. Perhaps she's put his, his hope in the fact that she works for a Christian organization, that she, he, she works for God, so to speak. Perhaps he's put a hope in the fact that she's a good mother, that she's faithful to him. Perhaps you've done that too. Perhaps you put your hope in your standing in the community or maybe in your, your work or, or maybe that your, your spouse is a, is a believer and that will carry you through. You see, our hope is not in those things because your employer will let you down. Your health at some point will let you down. Your government will let you down. Your spouse will let you down. Your best friends will let you down. Your church will let you down. But Christ will never let you down. Now understand I mean that in all the best. Yes, we all, we all understand that, that, that the church is here. The church is where we come to get saved and, and where the safe place is, so to speak. But at some point, as we know quite recent times too, that even that they will let you down. But just like that, that husband is angry, I would ask you to take your focus off what's around you and lift it up and know that in Christ, your hope is secure. In Christ alone and only in Christ can we find our hope. And we're going to sing about that shortly. And so if you're struggling this morning, not only with your salvation, even if you are saved and you're sure of that, but you're struggling in life, don't put your hope in what's around you. Put your hope in the one person who, who will hold you and never let you go and, will, and his promises you can always depend on, and that is Christ. Let's pray. Lord God, we, we know that this world offers us many things, but one thing the world does offer us is sin, disappointment. Yes, there is happiness. Yes, there are times of joy. But Lord, in you, your joy is permanent. In you, the, the safety is permanent. In you, our hope is permanent. And as we approach Christmas and remember that you came to the earth to live a life and to die to save our sins, Lord, let us put our hope in you and not in Santa Claus and not in uh, any gifts or any presents or any meals or any holidays. But Lord, that our hope is in you and you only alone. And I pray for those who are battling this morning, who are going through rough times. I pray that your word will encourage them. And they will go home knowing that in you, all hope is found. And I pray that they will come to you, whether in tears or not, and they will open up the scriptures and dive into your word and to get to know you more. So Lord, we thank you for this truth. In Jesus' name, amen.